Anyway, when I was 11 or 12, the first time I remember, you know, because when you're young, sometimes you do things you don't actually see things the way they are. First time I remember missing church, and I missed church. I was at my dad's, and we went to another family's house. Nobody was in church that day. And for me, that was weird growing up in the 70s and 80s, uh, because for me, it was, for every Sunday, we were in church, and we were at church on Sunday nights, we were at church on Wednesday nights, and we were at church on Saturday. For me, it was a, a normal thing to be at church, and it was weird that the rest of the world wasn't the same way. Never really stopped and realized that the whole world didn't stop at church time and go to church. I know it's odd that I didn't, but it's one of those things, it's like when you're 20, 22, and well, not might be 28, 30, before you realize you're not the center of the universe that people think and act and talk when you're not around. I know, right? So in the 70s and 80s, we had uh, Jack Hiles, Jerry Falwell, we had Adrian Rogers, and the fundamentalist movement was growing, it was big, and then it got uh, turned around and some people were coming along and they were preaching pastoral authority with a sledgehammer instead of with a, a shepherd's hook you know pulling you back in and they were trying to force everything and then everybody got real tired of the sledgehammer and they left the independent movement they went to these churches that are preaching something nice and soft that they could actually get behind so today we're going to talk about something how we left the church and how we left all that we're going to talk about how it's time for the church to get humble so we're going to 2 Chronicles 12.12. 12. 2 Chronicles 12.12. 12. We're going to talk about Rehoboam and Hezekiah. The first verse is Rehoboam. Now, for those of you who don't know, Rehoboam was king. Um, he was Solomon's son. And the kingdom tore apart under Rehoboam. So, and here we go. 2 Chronicles 12.12. 12. And when he humbled himself, Rehoboam, the wrath of the Lord turned from him that he would not destroy him altogether. And also in Judah, things went well. So Rehoboam was king. And when he got himself straight, things went well for his nation. Okay. Now we're going to talk about Hezekiah. 2 Chronicles 32, 26. Notwithstanding, Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride in his heart. Both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord came not upon them in the days of Hezekiah. Rehoboam humbled himself, the wrath of the Lord turned from him, and it helped his nation. In Hezekiah, the inhabitants of the city and the king uh, humbled themselves, so that the wrath of the Lord came not unto them. Rehoboam humbled himself, Hezekiah humbled himself, all the inhabitants of Jerusalem humbled themselves for the pride of their heart. That's interesting. Isn't it about time that we, the church, humbled ourselves for our pride of heart? We are in a state of despair right now over the lack of convening due to COVID. We are in an uproar over the church being fined. I wrote that a year ago. For having services. We're flabbergasted at the prospect of wearing masks. We still are. Um, seeing people driving their cars with their masks on by themselves. Some of us are just not understanding that and we have a few people compared we have few people compared to our normal congregations we still have not recovered from COVID yet and this is important 
We are not grateful that we can uh, worship openly in this nation. We are not grateful that in this nation we can gather together and have a service and worship the Lord God Almighty because we've done it for so long we've become complacent. In China, they're being shot, imprisoned, and tortured for having services that we might just have to pay a, a fine for. We are not grateful to Almighty God for the blessings we have. Instead, we are tizzy about what we do not have. Oh, we've only got two or three instead of thousands. Woe is me. What's happening? Where's God? <laughs> Why are we being persecuted? Shut down. We haven't seen anything yet. Not like China. Not like Indonesia. There was a lady who got saved earlier this week. Two days later, she was dead for coming to Christ killed for coming to Christ. We keep wanting to claim end, of, claim end of days here in America. Jesus is coming soon. All because we face some mean words and a few fines for gathering together. America is not the end all, people. What about all the years leading up to the COVID? What about all the years that we did nothing to prepare for this time? The church wasn't ready for something like that. We all scrambled around to try and get our services online. Now, some of us were already doing that, but others were scrambling around to get their services online to try and reach out, and, and the world fell by the wayside because we weren't prepared. What about the generations lost to our complacency before the COVID? What about the world that has gone from moral to totally immoral while we fiddled? Rome burned, and we're standing on the rooftop fiddling, saying all is well. It's not. What about the inaction of the church that allowed two full generations to forget God, to be so mentally unstable that they don't know what gender they are? There's a song by Michael Jackson that says, I'm talking to the man in the mirror. Church, we need to talk to the man in the mirror about what we see there. We have given up our job of teaching the children, of raising them in a godly house, of raising them in a godly home of preparing them for a world that will corrupt them to the state. We've given our job to the state. We have failed them, and we must now humble ourselves before God. You say, well, it didn't start with us. It was the generations before. I say it's on us. We didn't fix it. In fact, what we did was we doubled their complacency in our own generation. We cannot blame it on others for what they did not do. Despite the generations that came before us, we knew what to do and we did it not. They may have let us down, but we did not pick up the torch and advanced against the enemy. No, we wallowed in self-pity and allowed the world to make advances into our ranks. Daniel 5.22, Belshazzar. He saw his grandfather. He saw what his grandfather went through. He read what his grandfather went through. And God says, Belshazzar, you're guilty because you saw the testimony. Daniel 5.22, And thou, his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this, but hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought the vessels of his house before thee, and thou, and thy lords, thy wives and thy concubines, they have drunk wine in them, and thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold, of brass, iron, wood, and stone, which see not, nor hear, 
nor know. And the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways, hast thou not glorified. Belshazzar knew what God had done in regards to Nebuchadnezzar. The greatest king in the history of the world was in the field eating grass like the animals because God made it happen. Belshazzar knew all that. Belshazzar knew the testimony of Nebuchadnezzar when uh, Nebuchadnezzar wrote, um, I think it was Daniel 4, Nebuchadnezzar wrote the full chapter, and it was his testimony. Belshazzar knew that, and still he glorified not God. Belshazzar knew what God had done. He regarded it not in his heart, and he did what he wanted anyway. And God held Belshazzar responsible for what was in the word, not the generations before. He knew better, and God held him accountable. We have not regarded God. We have served him, but in our time and at our convenience. We have tithed, but have we given willingly or out of commandment and guilt? We have attended the services, but only when the fish were not biting or the weather not too bad or the kids didn't have obligations like Little League or soccer. Nothing wrong with those, but not at church time. We have failed him. We are at fault. We have not humbled ourselves before God. Instead, we rail against the government. We cry at our precious freedoms being taken away are being stepped on, and we blame anyone and everyone except ourselves for dropping the ball. You say they took prayer out of school. You say they took the Bible out of school. You say I can't witness on the job or get fired. You say they have allowed corruption over the airwaves. They repealed the blue wall. I say we, the church, allowed it to happen because we had the biggest voice in the nation in the 70s and 80s and we blew it by going silent i say we allowed it to happen because when it became arduous when the fight became really heavy we stopped trying to fight we let them do everything they did without a battle we allowed it to get this far in this nation we failed our god we failed our society and we have failed our families and future generations because the government said you can't and we as sheep we listen to them instead of God they said we can't witness so we didn't they said you can't pray in school we didn't they said you can't allow God in the federal government so we let them take him out now look at the federal government you might lose your job if you speak up okay there's others my God's more powerful than the job. You might lose your vehicles, your, your house. You might lose your friends. You might be called names. You might be looked at funny. Well, I'm used to that anyway. So <laughs> people look at me funny all the time. Christ humbled himself, came to this earth, suffered and died that we might have life, and we will not even uh, witness it work for fear of losing a job, let alone a little league game, let alone a baseball game, let alone a, a movie theater. We won't witness anywhere except in church when they're already claiming to be Christians. The witness does no good there. The testimony does good, but the witness doesn't do any good there. Philippians 2.8, talking about Jesus. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, 
and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. God humbled himself as a man to come to this earth and die for us. Yet the church has never before known levels of complacency and complicitness in the fall of this world because we have not humbled ourselves before him. He humbled himself to die for us, but we will not humble ourselves for him. We can't go out in the weather. Oh, it's raining. Oh, it's snowing. Now, I know there's older folks who can't drive in that. I get that. But young folks, where are you? When the snow is, when the rain is, when there's a, a cloud in the sky. He wore a crown of thorns, but we can't risk losing our precious jobs. And the job which interferes with our church service anyway. We can't lose that now, can we? He laid down his life freely in the most gruesome manner ever devised by man. And we can't go out if there's a cloud in the sky because we might get wet. Everything we cry about now is our fault. We have not humbled ourselves. Realizing that all we have, house, vehicles, jobs, kids, clothes, food, are at his good pleasure. Nothing to do with us. If you have a lot, you better be giving God the glory. If you have nothing, give God the glory. I've had a lot and I've had nothing and God gets the glory because it's not through me. I mess everything up, right? Don't answer. Designed to help us in our service to him is all the stuff he gave us. The vehicles, the kids, the food, the clothes. Everything is designed to further his word. That's why he blesses us with more in our faithfulness. But what do we do when we get more? Do we go, oh, look, I'm done. But we're not. We still have more to do. He doesn't give us all that stuff for us to look at it and go, oh, my, what a good person I am. God has blessed me. No, he, look, he gives us all that so we can go out and spread it even more to help more, to bless more, to witness more, to testify more. The church has boiled down his service at the most to four hours a week. At the least, and this is for the majority, one hour a week. We can get out of bed and go to church for one hour a week, but we're not going to put on a shirt and tie. God's not worth that. In fact, we're not even going to get dressed. We're just going to stream it on TV, and then we're going to go about our day like it never happened. Most have stopped paying attention to God. And I'm talking about the Christians here. Most go to one service a week. That's not humbling ourselves like Rehoboam, Hezekiah. That's not humbling ourselves. That's not, that's not even recognizing him, and I barely, I barely classify that as serving. We have failed. We have sinned. We have left him. And if you don't agree with me on this, that's okay. Then go to the source. Go right here. Go right here where he says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And ask him if one hour a week is enough. And I mean honestly pray. Seek his answer on that. See what he says. He gave everything for you. And you're giving him an hour a week. Pray to him. Ask him if you have done enough. Have you given? Have you served? Have you attended enough? honestly, openly ask him. See what he says. Open his word. Find his will for your life. Because his will for your life is not sitting at home, not going to church, not serving, not doing something. 
Compared to his sacrifice, I know we will never ever do enough. We can never do enough compared to his sacrifice. But we have quit trying. I know we can't do enough, but we still have to try. And faith is not, our, our salvation is not of works. But you show me a salvation that doesn't produce some works for the love of Christ. We laugh with the world at the perversions, the sin on TV. We find it humorous instead of it breaking our hearts. I'm as guilty as anybody. We talk like them. We walk like them. We act like them. And then we ask God why he has forsaken the church. It's time to take back our nation. Time to give him all. Time to understand he has not moved in his standards. We have. It's time for some wholesale humbling. Now we're going to go to Jonah and we're going to talk about a humbling that you will never ever see again in your lifetime. Jonah 3, 5. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. I'm about to sneeze. For word came unto the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. The king of Nineveh covered himself in sackcloth and ashes. He heard Jonah's uh, message, repent for judgment's coming. The king covered himself with sackcloth, sat in ashes. He caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles they all believed the message of jonah repent that's the message jonah preached saying now this is this is fascinating i really want you to listen this is what the decree that the king of Nineveh sent, sent out said let neither man nor beast herd or flock taste anything let them not feed nor drink water but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hand. And this is what he said at the very last. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? This is what we're going to close with. The king of Nineveh repented when he heard from Jonah that Nineveh was about to be destroyed. He believed, and I, I, this is me guessing, this is not in the Bible. He believed, therefore, he must probably have already had a heart pricked with the guilt of their sin. With the guilt of their wickedness. For he heard a message saying, repent. You don't repent like that if you don't already have a heart of guilt towards your sin, towards your wickedness. This man repented, his nobles repented, his city repented, and they made the animals repent from their wickedness with sackcloth. That's how much their remorse was. <laughs> he must have already had a heart filled with remorse. For he declares a fast he puts on sackcloth. But wait, the real repentance. He made the animals to put on sackcloth and fast as well that God might see their remorse and relent from his anger. You want to talk about repentance? You want to talk about remorse? The spirit pricked this city and they were humbled for God before they got humbled by God. How might we learn from this, us two proud Americans? How might we learn from this two righteous church? 
When was the last time we fasted privately for our nation? When was the last time we humbled ourselves, put on sackcloth and ashes? We don't deserve anything but hell. Anything more than that is gravy. And when was the last time we were grateful for that? When was the last time that we prayed, that we put on sackcloth and ashes in the hope that God would turn away his anger from us? Church, it's time for us to get humble. It's time for us to seek his face. And maybe, maybe he will turn, his, uh, turn from his wrath usward. 